This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. You know, people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. It's a Friday morning edition of the Fenway Rundown podcast, Mass Live's Red Sox show, and it's a special one as it is Hall of Fame ballot reveal season. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo. I do not have a vote yet, not because I'm not qualified, but because I have not, thank you, Sean, not been in the Baseball Writers Association long enough. Lucky for you and lucky for us, we have two writers on staff who do have Hall of Fame votes for the second time. Uh, Chris Smith, and for the 400th time, Sean McAdam voting uh, for this year's Baseball Hall of Fame. Chris ran his ballot last week on the site. Sean ran his in conjunction with this podcast today. You will see uh, my first reveal here. Smith voted for 10. Sean voted for 6. So we wanted to use this format on the podcast to talk about all of that on a Friday Friday morning, I should say. First of all, Sean, uh, as... People debate the Hall of Fame. They usually do it on Twitter. We're going to try to do it more in our, guess what, Insider Text program this time around. That's true, Chris. And if you're home and listening to this and wondering, well, gee, what is this Insider Text program that you speak of? Uh, It's an opportunity to stay current on all Red Sox news in and out of season, preseason, spring training, regular season, postseason, if the Red Sox ever get back there. And uh, it's a chance to text with all three of us to solicit our opinion, uh, answer questions, run trade proposals past us. Uh, We have a lot of fun in the program. People are enjoying it. All you have to do to get on board is text the word JOIN to 617-751-6257. There's a 14-day free trial period after which you are charge the measly amount of $4.99 a month worth every penny, if I do say so myself. That is a place where we'll have some discussion about the Hall of Fame, not just today, uh, depending on what you at home think about Chris and Sean's ballot, also when the ballots and the, the results are announced in a couple of weeks. So we're going to kind of get into each candidate specifically. As uh, we start here, we'll talk a little bit in generalities. Chris voted for 10, Sean voted for 6, Uh We'll talk a little bit about the process throughout, so I don't want to kind of ask about your overriding process to start. But first with Sean, uh, I don't think, and I don't have all of your ballots in front of me, but I don't think you've ever voted for the maximum 10. Um, Is that right? No, I haven't. I I was thinking earlier today that uh, I think maybe I had seven one year, but even six is a lot. I'm not a, I think I used to be a small hall guy. I'm more of a medium-sized hall guy. Um, no knock against my esteemed colleague, Mr. Smith, but as I said, I have never come close to 10 and frankly, I sometimes have a hard time understanding why some do. Chris will be free to explain his thinking. Um, I, I just, you know, there are years where people are saying, oh, geez, I could easily vote for 15, but we're limited to 10. I've never felt that I'm comfortable with my six uh chris will defend his 10 and that's his right but i i don't subscribe to the you have to take every you have to vote in for as many spots as you're allowed i think you vote in for people who you believe truly stand above the rest and represent uh greatness in cooperstown so i'm comfortable with keeping mine to six this year and smith you've had 10 both years you voted is that on purpose uh yes i have talked to some people uh about like you know their strategies in terms of you know people that have picked a lot of you know players up to 10 players and one person that i talked to last year just dm'd him about um his ballot i saw his ballot it was basically a question to ask him about you know bobby abreu because he picked abreu and i was kind of on the fence with him and it was Chad Jennings uh, from the Athletic, the Red Sox reporter. And, you know, basically what, you know, he said, he said, you know, he's ultimately still on the fence about him, but he voted for him because he thinks that, you know, guys like that are players whom the 75% threshold really matter. Like 
I think it fits or could fit in the Hall of Fame. So like basically what he's saying, basically Justin Bates, uh, you know, if 75 people vote for that person, then he's a Hall of Famer. So it's, it's you know, um, I, I have looked at, you know, small hall and, and big hall and, and it feels weird to put 10 people on a ballot because there's never been a year. How many, how many is the most that have, that have bad? Yeah, I, don't, I don't think there's been, I'm going to say, I can't remember in my years there being more than four elected at once. Uh, I remember the year that Brett and Yount and Fisk and maybe one other that was four. That's the most I can remember being elected by the BBWA ballot. There are always the era committees that can add older players who have not been part of it. But I can't remember uh, the association electing more than four in a year. And like his, his Chad Rhodes mail is really like, you know, just a line from what he said, like, you know, he thinks if he fits or could fit in the Hall of Fame and if 100 plus other people feel the same way, great. You know, I'm happy to be on board. I don't want to stand in the way. You know, so basically I, I saw a case for, you know, guys, even though I was on the fence and, and you know. The, the, don't reveal who was, yet. What's that? Don't reveal who yet. No, but I mean, I already revealed the Brayu. I asked him about him last year and that's why I, you know, basically I, I went to several people that I saw had already voted for Brayu, which I was on the fence and not going to vote for him or thinking about not voting for him. And ask them why, and you know, some of them compared wars of other Hall of Famers and stuff like that. But you know, Chad's point kind of made you know sense to me. Is you know, ten people aren't going to get in the Hall of Fame. So even though I voted for you know ten, you know, uh, I'm you know doing a solid like you know people that are on the fence. You know, so yeah. Uh, so Sean, you're just depriving these candidates this is i guess what chris smith was saying we'll get to the candidates now <laughs> no i actually i went into the hall of fame voting you know last year thinking i would be more like sean and i totally agree with that you know uh yeah I, I, look i don't have i don't have a problem with people keeping candidates alive as it were i mean still on the ballot um there were definitely players who got short shrift uh where the the threshold used to be uh, I think 10% to continue on the ballot. I'm not sure if that's changed or not. Um, some of the qualifications and rules have changed over the years, but I get the strategic ballot. I, I, you know, me, I go in and ask myself, is this guy a hall of famer? And I vote accordingly, but other people have different philosophies and strategies and that's fine. We're going to ask that question now across the board on all of the candidates, the six that Sean has on his ballot are also on Chris Smith's ballot, so there are no degree disagreements in those six, and then Chris has four extra that Sean did not vote. We will get to those guys in the spicier second half of this pod, but we'll start with the overlapped guys and two first-timers, uh, two that are tracking at this point to get into the Hall of Fame, according to Ryan Thibodeau, his team, and the great Hall of Fame tracker. Adrian Beltre is tracking at 98.2%, former Red Sox for a year. Sean shared some memories of him on the pod when this ballot came out and Joe Maurer uh, tracking at almost 83% on Ryan and the hall of fame trackers. Thanks to their work again on uh, that wonderful Excel spreadsheet that all of baseball is focused in on at this time. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. We'll lump these two guys in because they are first timers. Um, first time guys on the ballot. Were these two easy calls for you? Um, and, or was there any kind of hesitation to have both Beltray and Maurer on? Yeah, Beltre, you know, just looking at his stats, it's just, you know, he should be a first-timer. I think he should be 100%. I mean, you know, he was 40th all-time. I mean, how many people have played Major League Baseball? And he's 40th all-time in war with 93.5. You look at it, and, you know, everybody who has made the Hall of Fame, uh, who's finished with an 80 or over war, uh, any, anyone who's finished their career with an 80 or over war has made the Hall of Fame, except for, you know, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and Alex Rodriguez, also Albert Pujols, who hasn't, you know, been eligible yet. So, obviously, we're talking about guys like, you know, the steroid guys that have not made it. But everyone else has made it when you look and pass that threshold. So, uh, he was just an obvious one to me. I mean, when you look at his stats, uh, his gold glove caliber, five-time gold glover, 
you know, four-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, 477 home runs, 636 doubles. Uh, yeah, I just think it's an obvious one. And Maurer? Yeah, so, you know, like, I try to compare, you know, it, when you're looking at war and stuff like that and, you know, compared to other catchers, obviously he's not going to have as significant of a war as, you know, a guy like, El, you know, uh, Beltre, who, um, you know, is is a extremely good defensive third baseman and you know stuff like that but you know in the grind of it all um obviously your numbers aren't going to be as great at, at you know the dish and stuff like that but yeah he finished his career with a 55.2 war which is you know right there with you know mike piazza and you know uh yogi berra and stuff ted simmons like that. what's that ted simmons yeah and so um you know i look at it and uh you know, I think that just, you know, his ability as, as a hitter was, you know, amazing. You know, he was, uh, what was he, a three-time, I think, uh, batting champion. Yep. And, you know, five-time Silver Slugger and a six-time All-Star and, you know, a Gold Glove winner, a three-time Gold Glove winner. And so, like, you know, that's a difficult position right there. And and he's right there with, you know, the Mike Piazzas of the worlds. And, you know, as, as uh, you know, uh, Ted Simmons is, is – uh, as, um sean pointed out so sean uh, obviously beltre easy was mauer as well uh yeah uh, beltre i find it uh, look i don't think anyone's going to be unanimous again for a while uh, after mariano rivera became the first Derek jeter missed by two i believe but i find it incomprehensible that an educated voter would say no on Adrian Beltre as Chris ran down the credentials. Aren't a couple of that, friends of yours in that mix? Yeah, there are. Uh, and I'm not going to get into revealing names and taking shots at others, but we do know that he won't be uh, unanimous. And I'm okay with someone not being unanimous as great as Beltre is. Uh, I just have a hard time thinking he is not going to be elected on the first ballot. Uh, in terms of defensive war, only Brooks Robinson has a higher total among all third basemen. So that tells you how good he was defensively and almost 500 home runs to go with that with uh, 1,707 RBI and 1,100 runs scored. Uh, to me, he's a no-brainer. Uh, Maurer wasn't quite that one-sided and, and obvious for me, but the more I thought about it, uh, he's an elite offense first catcher, um, having won three batting titles. Put that into context, only 29 players in the history of the game have won as many as three batting titles, and he did it while catching. Uh, the knock on him, of course, is that his career, and particularly his peak, was not long enough. But for seven or eight years, uh, from, 20, oh, from 2006 through 2013, his batting average in the game, and I know we've devalued that of late, was second only to Miguel Cabrera and his on-base percentage second only to Joey Votto. So uh, frame it that way offensively, then think of the pounding he took off uh, behind the plate. He was good enough, as Chris noted, to win three gold gloves. His OPS in his eight best seasons, well, uh, OPS plus in his eight best seasons, was 11th best in the game during that span. So I had no trouble voting for Joe Maurer. Again, those two both tracking to get in on the first ballot. Uh, two of currently four guys who are tracking. I think those numbers uh, are usually a little higher on Ryan's thing uh, because people are more apt to reveal the more they yeah. vote for. Yeah, Chris, I would caution that you know once you're over 90 on the right. tracker, uh, that almost guarantees election. I think everyone expects um, – Beltre to get in with any problem. I, I would think Maurer is going to be right on the edge mm -hmm. because uh, those numbers tend to skew higher from people who who participate. Sometimes some older voters don't share their votes, don't want them published beforehand, and typically vote differently. Uh, history teaches us that you have to allow for that skewing. So the fact that uh, Maurer is in the, what did you say, or low 83? 80s? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that to me puts him right at 75 one way or the other. I could see him making it by a handful or missing it by a handful. But obviously, if he's that close in year one, he's going to get in very soon, if not this year. 
couple other hall of i mean couple other first timers who are going to get some votes and remain on the ballot we will touch on after we go through all these guys you each have four returners in common um uh, we'll start with Billy Wagner, a guy that had a cup of coffee with the Red Sox, and that really is uh, a pretty true representation of the term cup of coffee because it was short at the end of one season. Um, he, last year, got 68.1% of the vote, fell short. He's a guy who's had his uh, campaign uh, really kind of increased in the last few years, uh, a guy that I would not have thought was a Hall of Famer probably five years ago based on just, you know, knowing what I know about him. He's yeah, gained I, a lot I didn't of... vote for him the first couple of years, but yeah. came around. He's a guy who's gained steam, now tracking about 80 in his second to last year on the ballot. Sean, why did you come around? Why is Billy Wagner a Hall of Famer? Well, 422 saves, even as we look at saves differently now than we did, say, 20 years ago, is still... Uh, noteworthy. I think that puts him fifth all time. Uh, only seven people with 400 or more saves. Both Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell joined that exclusive club this past year. Um, so that puts that into context. I think you can make the argument that he is the greatest left-handed reliever in modern history. He has the second best ERA of any pitcher of the live ball era with at least 750 innings, just a tenth of a run higher than Mariano Rivera, unquestionably the game's greatest reliever, and as we noted, the only player unanimously elected to Cooperstown. He also has an ERA plus so that takes into account uh, his contemporaries, park factor, evens everything out. His ERA plus is 187, which means he was nearly double, uh, twice as good as the average player. And uh, he also has an, a, a whip for his career under one, 0 0.998. That's astounding. Uh, he also has the greatest strikeout ratio of anybody in modern ball. Um, so to me, uh, he, he's in. Chris? Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. That's you know pretty much <laughs> what I would argue. Um, you know, I kind of compared him to, um, you know, Trevor Hoffman and, you know, Lee Smith and Raleigh Fingers. And, you know, his ERA is better than all theirs. His whip is better than all theirs, as, as uh, you know, Sean said. It's just under one. Um, his strikeouts per nine innings, 11.9 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, he did pitch fewer innings than Hoffman and, you know, Smith and, and Fingers. But, you know, the war right there with all of them. Um, you know, so I just look at him as like, you know, uh, a guy that, um, you know, if you look at just the total package of his numbers, it's pretty impressive because you look at Hall of Famers, you know, legit, you know, guys that are in the Hall of Fame, Mariano Rivera and all that. You look at his numbers, like the, you know, just the whip and the, you know, strikeouts per nine innings and, you know, different things like that. And you just, it's just like they are higher than a lot of those guys. So that's why I, you know, voted for him. So for the two of you, that's the third overlap. Wagner joins Beltre and Maurer. The fourth overlap. I'll let Sean go second because he's always very passionate about this guy for some reason. Chris, you first on Andrew Jones. Uh, he received about 58% last year. He's tracking at 65% this year in his seventh year on the ballot. So four to go for him. Doesn't look like he's going to get in this time. Sean very, very strongly thinks he does. And you voted for him now two years in a row too, Smith. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Hall of Famers and somebody that, you know, dominated for a decade. And, you know, he was the best defensive center fielder you know for a decade i mean you he's tied with ken griffey jr for the second most gold gloves at center field only willie mays has more 12 and so but you know you look at that and he also added the offense too i mean you know as i said with the defense you know 22nd all-time in defensive war but you know i mean he's 48th all-time in homers you know he finished with three he had 434 homers finished with 383 doubles um, you know, and so, you know, I look at him and I think you have to, you know, take the whole ball player in account and, you know, how, how important defense is. I, I, you know, it's incredibly important. I've seen that, you know, covering baseball for 10 years, uh, you know, and, and, you know, just how valuable, you know, a guy like Jackie Bradley and Mookie Betts are there and in, in center field and right field. And, 
he was one of the best, if not the best, for a decade at, you know, in center field as a 10-time gold glove winner. So, you know, for me, um, you know, you have to take you know, everything into consideration. And, you know, I just, I think he's a Hall of Famer. John? Yeah, as Chris, as you noted, uh, I have been beating the Andrew Jones drum from year one. I was on the train very early. The first year, he got just 19.4%. He got up to 58.1 times running out, but he's got this year and three more years of eligibility left, and he is inching closer, and I am glad to see it. I have used this phrase so much that people are sick of hearing it, but I'm going to do it one more time. Andrew Jones is Ozzie Smith with power. That's right. Think of how good Ozzie Smith was at shortstop, and that's how good Andrew Jones was in center field. And P.S., as Chris Smith noted, he tossed in 434 home runs, too, which Ozzie Smith sure as hell did not hit. Uh, a couple of numbers to consider. As Chris noted, um, the only outfielders with more gold gloves than Andrew Jones are Willie Mays and Roberto Clemente. That's pretty good company. And then there's this. Among the 15 position players who have won 10 gold gloves, that's any position, only four have hit 400 homers. The other three are Willie Mays, Ken Griffey Jr., and Mike Schmidt. Andrew Jones is in that category. The only uh, disappointment is we don't have defensive runs saved from the first six or seven years of Andrew Jones's career. But we have another metric that helps. He has a defensive war for his career of 24.4. No other outfielder in history has even reached 20. So again, that shows how elite he's been. And here's another total zone. Uh, total zone, total fielding runs above average for his career. Andrew Jones is at 230. That's the most for any center fielder in 70 years, including 70 more than Willie Mates. Yeah, I think you've outlined the case, and he needs to send you an edible arrangement for your uh, impassioned plea. I, I got to get something out of this. Do you think he gets in, Sean, eventually? Uh, yes. I, I mean, he's almost at 60% last year with four more years to go. He's certainly tracking. Uh, but, I would expect he's going to, you know, get up into the uh, mid to high 60s this year. And after that, he's got three years left. So I'm I'm going to say yes. I'd caution not a huge jump. I know the tracker is not exactly predictive, but if you're saying the numbers skew high on the tracker, he's only at 65. So it's a 7% jump to the tracker now. That means that the j jump is not going to be that big, you know. So yeah, that maybe for for you is um, sure a concern as you hope very very uh, passionately for this. We'll go to another uh, guy who was a first ballot guy last year. Did not get in. You both voted for him then. You both voted for him now. The I think maybe one of the more controversial non-steroid guys uh, because he did have an involvement in the Astros sign-stealing scandal, and I think people did take that uh, against him last year. 47% of the vote last year. Tracking on the tracker, interestingly, 20 points higher at 65. Carlos Beltran. Chris, uh, number one, why is he a Hall of Famer? And number two, should the Astros situation be taken into account at all? Well, I mean, as you'll find out, I voted for, you know, some steroid guys or some PED guys or linked to PEDs at least. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, I mean, what do we know what he did, you know, uh, in other years? This is the last year of his career where, or second to last year. I don't know. I think it was the last year of his career. Yeah, I think it was his last year. He was not even a good player at that point, right? right? He like, was like he was a player coach hitters. at that point. He was one of the worst hitters on that team. And so, um, you know, it's not, you know, I don't take that really in account. Um but I think, like, you know, you look at him, he's 25th all-time in extra base hits. You know, he's he's just behind, like, Eddie Murray and Dave Winfield, and, you know, he's tied with Cal Ripken Jr., and he's, you know, right there ahead of, uh, you know, Reggie Jackson, uh, Chipper Jones, Andre Dawson, Frank Thomas, um, you know, Mike Schmidt, and Craig Biggio, who, you know, recently got in. So, you know, I mean, he's 29th all-time in doubles, Um and, you know, you kind of remember, like, obviously he had 
some injuries. I'm not exactly sure on the, I think it probably was knee injuries or something like that. But, you know, when he was, when he was originally a player, when he won rookie of the year, I mean, I remember this guy was, you know, you know, power and speed. And he ended up with 312 stolen bases. And so he was like, you know, the five tool player. And, you know, I want, if he hadn't had those injuries, you know, how many stolen bases he could have added, you know, onto that. But, you know, a three-time gold glover, a nine-time all-star that shows you that, you know, for the better, uh, for a decade, you know, he was an elite player. And so, um, you know, he's kind of, you know, I, I can see why some people might be on the fence, but, um, you know, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Sean? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I voted for him last year, voted for him again this year. Uh, as to the sign-stealing scandal, I would say that comes under the heading of uh, disconcerting, but hardly disqualifying. It's noted. I don't think it's enough to keep him out. I don't think it should keep him out. I think some people did not vote for him in protest uh, in year one of eligibility, but as the jump on the tracker suggests, um, I think he's going to see a sizable leap forward in year two, whether people think they had to send a message with that first year. I did not. I understand people doing that. Um, one of five players with 500 doubles, 400 homers, and 300 steals. The others, Andre Dawson, Mays, Barry Bonds, and A-Rod. That's pretty good company. He also has the best base-stealing success in the live ball era. He stole successfully almost 87% of the time. He had three gold gloves had 40 defensive runs saved over his career in center field. And how about this? This number blew my mind. A postseason OPS of 1021, 1021. That's astounding, and that's as good as anybody in the modern era. To me, I, always, I don't punish people for having poor postseasons. Billy Wagner did not have a good postseason history over his career I didn't hold that hold that against him I do use it the other way if I'm on the fence about a guy and he was a great postseason performer that gives him a little boost I think I would have voted for Beltran even if he hadn't <clears throat> excuse me been such a dominant offensive uh, uh, October player but a 1021 OPS in the postseason and he got there quite a number of times uh is astounding to me so to me as Chris said five-tool player who could do it all. He absolutely belongs. And a big jump, as you said, from 46 last year to, you know, 65 on the tracker now, which I think shows what Sean was talking about. If there was a first ballot punishment, um, that was real, and now people are kind of lifting that in their own heads. Now, still probably fall short this year, but uh, we'll be, you know, obviously have a lot of time to get on because it's only year two for Carlos Beltran. This guy is, I think, one of the most interesting discussions we'll have because it is the only person, uh, Sean, you added to your ballot this year um, from the past. Gary Sheffield in his 10th season. got about 55% of the vote last year. This is his final crack at it. And, Sean, after not voting for him for all nine years, I'm going to assume, you, yes, decided, you decided to do it this year. Uh, why is that? Yeah, well, it's probably um, too little too late on my part. It's going to require a lot more changes of heart uh, to get him from 55% of a year ago to 75%. He's tra tracking at 74, so with yeah. what we talked about earlier. Yeah, you know. I mean, he's he's um, he's been doing a little campaigning for himself, uh, putting his alleged PED use into context, uh, said that he didn't realize when he used the cream in the clear what he was using, said he never did any other PEDs. Um, I, I'm also troubled by something early in his career in Milwaukee where it was revealed later that he was purposefully from third base throwing balls to first into the stands in an effort to get traded. Uh, you know, that, that to me is sort of... Um, you know, it, it's not throwing games, pardon the pun, but it's certainly not uh, advisable behavior for a major leaguer to purposely throw the ball away so that uh, his team will get rid of him and he can get out of town. But Sheffield was an amazing offensive player. Um, when you, you look at what he did, 
uh, a career OPS of 907. Anything over 900 for a long career is really amazing. He also had fewer strikeouts than walks. Uh, had an OPS for his career of almost 300 at, at 393. He had um, six top 10 MVP voting six times. So he was in the top 10 of MVP voting six times. He never won it, but finished in the top three, three times. I put a lot of weight on that because uh, to me, those votes and those finishes say that a player was consistently among the best in the game during his time and to get six top 10 finishes in MVP voting suggests just that. So I am late to the party, Gary Sheffield. I apologize for that. Uh, but on your way out, I am giving you belatedly my vote and doing so proudly. And why do you, why were you hesitant before? Uh, I think it was a combination of the fact that he was a really one dimensional, he was a great, as great as he was offensively, he was a bad defender, no matter where he was, whether it was at third base or in the infield or the outfield, I, I, I held that against him. Uh, there was also the PED talk, which usually I can overlook um, if, if it isn't post uh testing and, and suspension uh, as it was in this case. The thing in Milwaukee bothered me. So mix all those three together, and I I just didn't feel comfortable. But uh, maybe it's guilt or some sort of reappraisal on my part. But in his final year, I'm giving him my vote. Smith, you've had him both times. Yeah, I mean, basically what Sean just said about, you know, his ability as a hitter. He was one of the most, you know, you, you go beyond the defense. Is He was one of the most dangerous hitters for a stretch of, you know, 15 years, 16 years. I mean, you, you know, you look at it, nine all-star appearances between 1992 and 2005. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, he finished in the top six in the, ML, in the MVP voting four times in the top 10, six times, as, as uh, you know, Sean pointed out, 27th all-time in homers, 509 homers. Um, you know, I, he also stole 250 bags, um, you know, 70th all time in hits. I just look at him as when I was a kid watching baseball, one of, one of the most dangerous hitters that I can remember. And uh, so, you know, I, I you know, I, as I, I look past the, the steroid guys with just with him and, and other people, and I can understand other people that you know, what Sean said about, you know, post-testing and stuff like that. Um, but with him, yeah, I just I just feel, you know, good about him. So those are the six overlaps. Once again, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Andrew Jones, Billy Wagner, Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran. Um, Sheffield tracking around 73 74%, which, as Sean said, does look like a too little too late in his final year, but you never know how these things will shake out. We're going to now talk about four guys who Chris Smith voted for, who Sean McAdam did not. And so this is the hashtag embrace debate part of the show. Uh, I will open it up. I'll have, I guess we're really only going to do this in three parts because we'll lump the first two guys together. We'll have Smith make your case first and Sean tell him why he's wrong after this one. I think we all know the answer. Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez. Chris, you voted for them. Sean, you didn't. The numbers on those guys last year, A-Rod, 35.7%. Manny, 33.2%. This year, A-Rod tracking at 44% in his third year on the ballot. Manny, for the eighth year on, a, on the ballot, so two after this one, tracking at 41.1%. I find it interesting that those numbers aren't exactly identical. Maybe there's I people who... Completely agree. I, Why I, is that the I, case? And I look at, I used to look at the same totals on Clemens and Bonds and say the same. How could you vote for one and not the other? Uh, I never understood that logic. To me, they're grouped together. There's no doubting their qualifications on those two in terms of the numbers. And I would say the same about these. Uh, I'll let Chris make his case, and then I'll tell him, uh, then I'll add why I did not. Chris? Oh, yeah. So, you know, with these guys, I can understand. Um, I think it's it's Alex Perry. I haven't seen a ballot of his. Um, this year so far, I don't think the Globe people have, have put that out yet. But, you know, I think that he's the type of – I think he has voted for um, guys like, you know, Clemens and, and you know, Bonds and stuff, but has not voted for Alex Rodriguez. And, 
you know, Manny Ramirez, and I can understand that completely. Same um, as you, Sean, right? They're correct. They're in a different category, right? Because they did fail tests after tests were, you know, after testing was put in place or whatever. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but they failed multiple tests, both. Yes, of them. they did. And so that's that goes against them right there. However, historically, you know, you look at them and, you know, Rodriguez's the stats, I mean, are just insane with, you know, fifth in home runs all time, 696, uh, you know, seventh in total, you know, total bases, seventh in extra base hits, 16th in war all time, 117.5. I mean, Manny Ramirez, 12th all time in slugging percentage. Um, you know, this is, I, I can completely understand with the voters that like Sean, who voted for Barry Bonds and, voted for Roger Clemens, but wouldn't vote for these guys. Um, and you can make the argument that in general, there are, there are likely guys in the hall of fame that have done, you know, steroids and there's PED guys. And I can't be a pol pol uh, police officer in, in deciding like who, who did them, who didn't do them. Uh, I'm just going to look at greatness in, you know, whole. However, I could do that. And, you know, and also say, yeah, well, I, I don't know who did them in the Hall of Fame. I don't know who did them on this ballot. However, I do know those two guys failed two, you know, two tests each. And, you know, and they don't deserve to be in, in, you know, because of that. But I felt like, you know, just if you look at those guys, uh, put an asterisk towards it. But, I mean, just two of the most talented hitters of all time. And so, um, you know, I'm going to go with all the steroid guys. If I'm going to go with some, I'm going to go with all of them, even the ones that were not smart enough. I'll, I'll say not smart enough to <laughs> to to stop or or to you know cover it up, do something. Yes, Sean, yeah, I know I, that the the tests are the the line for you. Yeah, um, I, I Chris offered me a nice segue here. Uh, in part, I am not voting for Manny and A Rod to punish them for their stupidity. <laughs> well, it's one I was going to say stupidity, but I thought I'd, I'd be saying it's one thing <laughs> to have used it and gotten away with it as to a certain degree, Bonds and Clemens and others did. It's another to know that you're being tested, that there are significant harsh penalties that your players association has agreed to, and you're going to miss significant time and it's going to stain you forever the way it has with Robinson Cano and others. Uh, I've used this line too. If they don't care enough, then I don't care enough. That is about their Hall candidacy. Obviously, they were great players. The numbers are inarguable. But to me, there was a there was a new set of rules that everybody agreed to in 2003 or 04, whatever the first year of testing and, and discipline was. And both these guys got nabbed twice after that. It tells me that they didn't take it seriously, so I don't take their quest for the Hall of Fame seriously. Yeah, and you know, like that's interesting. Um, you know, I go to, I went to certain people about why they voted for, you know, Bobby Abreu. I probably should have gone to people like Sean and asked them why didn't you vote for Alex Rodriguez and, you know, and Manny Ramirez when you had voted for other guys. And I, I kind of had, you know, that. But what you just said about like them not caring. That actually might have made my point of not voting for them right there if I had come to you and had a conversation. Yeah, and, and yet, Chris, I completely respect your approach to this. No one is going to argue with the numbers those guys put up. And it may seem to some people listening or watching this that I am being arbitrary in starting a line at 2003 or 2004 when testing began. Uh, I... I, I came along and decided to vote for guys like Bonds and Clemens because I was willing to forgive those transgressions beforehand, before there was a testing uh, process in place. And I totally get your, I don't want to be the cop here. If they're on the ballot, they're eligible. You either vote for them for their accomplishments or you don't. And yet I, I, I can't bring myself to look the other way on these two. Yeah. And, you know, when you said when you said that line about like, you know, they didn't care. Well, yeah, they didn't care about, you know, complying with the rules, too. But 
did they, you know, they probably didn't care about the Hall of Fame at that point, right, either? Because, you know, I mean, if you get caught, you're not, you know, most people aren't going to vote for you, you know? So, yeah, it, yeah I, I totally agree. And, you know, I'll reassess those guys next year and stuff like that. But as of right now, um, you know, I just looked at it as they're on the ballot, as uh, Sean just said. And, you know, that's why I voted for them, because they're two of the greatest hitters of all time. And obviously, Alex Rodriguez is a great defender, too. Two other guys that you have, Smith, um, and we'll do them together. In the interest of time, uh, Todd Helton, who is probably going to get in or be close. He had 72.2% last year, tracking at 83.2 in his sixth year on the ballot. And Bobby Abreu, who is kind of Chris Smith's take-a-stand guy, not a popular pick in the fifth year on the ballot. He only got about 15% last year. He's only at 20% now. I mean, he's probably not going to get in, maybe ever. Um, yeah. And you, I know, have done a lot of talking about Abreu already on the pod, but you know, we'll we'll take the the reasons for both of those guys, Helton in a popular pick and Abreu a less popular guy. But why are those Hall of Famers to you? I think a lot of people look at the course field effect and inflating Helton stats. I maybe Sean won't say that. I don't know, but like I've done actually, I was all about that, like how course field inflated stats, and if you look at home road splits and. And that made me like, you know, especially so when the Red Sox signed Trevor Story, I wanted to try to gather as much information about like how 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 much is the course field effect. And, you know, from what I've read, um, you know, there's been a lot of articles on it. The altitude thing, it affects you. You're apparently less you. likely to get hurt when you stop playing there in this case, I think. With Story. Well, well, what I'm saying is, is that, you know, with the altitude thing, it actually makes them, it makes it tougher hitting on the road uh, for, for Colorado players. Now, that's what I've read, the research. The, yeah, I, I think there's an element to that. That said, too, um, you know, Helton, uh, I'm going to look at it here real quick. So, you know, A55 OPS on the road in his career, uh, you know, over a thousand games on the road. Three three eighty six on base percentage and you know an e fifty five ops. So I mean, if that does uh, you know go into effect now, you know I looked at you know guys like uh, Nolan Arenado and you know and and uh, you know DJ Lemayu and you know so you look at those guys and they were better hitters um, you know like that than their road splits uh, you know set and so I think that. Um, you know, and I also don't think you can hold the ballpark against them. I mean, we we salute a lot of people nowadays for, you know, being faithful and and uh, you know staying with their team their whole entire career. And, uh, you know, and so that that's the reason I did Todd Helton. I think that you know overall when you look at his numbers, you know, he finished with a sixty one point eight WAR. Um, you know, and and uh, he's twentieth all time in doubles. His nine hundred and ninety eight extra base hits puts him ahead of you know. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, I, Vladimir Guerrero, not not Jr. <laughs> well, it, does well, it actually puts junior. them ahead of both. It puts them ahead of Jr. too, but yeah, Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff Bagwell, Tony Perez, Robin Young, uh, Fred McGriff, Paul Molander. You know, so you know when I look at him, five-time All-Star, four-time Slugger, uh, Silver Slugger, and he was also a three-time Gold Glove winner. So that's that's kind of my argument with him is, is that like, you know, you look at it and maybe the course field effect isn't as much as what we think. And plus his numbers, his road splits were actually pretty impressive, like a 55 OPS on the road. And so, and, you know, it would be different, um, you know, if he played it, you know, a Fenway ballpark too. So uh, I look at him and then like a break, uh, so yeah, so Bobby Abreu is an, an interesting one because yeah, Bobby, not his, not like, Willier. Was that? It's Bob oh, yeah. Bobby Abreu, not Wilbur. Well, Willier. Or I Wilbur. didn't say that, did I? No, but <laughs> you were going to at some point. No, yeah, Preemptive I mean, strike. Yeah, I mean, so like with him, um, you look at his baseball reference page, and I've read this actually in people's articles, making points for him as a Hall of Famer. Like, you know, there's hardly any all-star appearances, uh, you know, hardly any MVP votes. Um, but maybe people didn't realize writers and, and different people that were voting for those things didn't realize at the time what he was actually, you know, doing. And so, um, you know, 
I, one writer compared to me like the F war stat, um, fan graphs war stat, you know, it's right there with Dave Win. his, his is a 59.8. Dave Winfield is a 55, a 59.9. Andre Johnson's is a 59.5. So they, they put him comparable to those players. Um, you know, he did receive MVP, MVP votes in seven different seasons, but he never finished above 10. He won just one silver slugger and one gold glove. Um, and he's only a two-time All-Star. But, you know, he was an on-base machine. I mean, 395 on-base percentage, 83rd all-time. Um, you know, if you look at it, I saw this this stat, you know, when I was going through some articles and, and on Twitter um, you know, somebody mentioned that there's only 13 players that has had as many, uh, with a, you know, as many walks and extra base hits as a Brayu. Um, you know, and then the list includes, you know, so he had, uh, extra base hits. He had 1,476, uh, 1,476 walks in 921 extra base hits. The only people that have, have put up those type of numbers, walks and extra base hits like that, you know, are, are 13 of the 11 are Hall of Famers. And the only two that aren't are Pete Rose and Barry Bonds. And we know why they're not in the Hall of Fame. You know, you look at that list, why? it includes, you know, Kali Skrimsky and, you know, Frank Thomas and Jim Tomey and Chipper Jones and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. And so um, it feels funny voting for him. Like, I feel... Like, you know, at times, that's why I ask people, like when I was on the fence about him, it's like, Bobby Abreu, I don't want to make this the Hall of Very Good. I want to make this the, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame, the most elite players. Um, but maybe his stats were uh, underrated in, in, in his time. And, you know, I did get, you know, as I said, what Chad wrote to me about, you know, if 100 other people agree with you, then he's a Hall of Famer. You know, so, um, you know, I kind of look at it that way with him and I, you know, he's never going to get in probably, but you know, he's one that I have on it. And I, I talked to several people that did have him on it before I put him on there. Sean on those two. I never really, con uh, seriously considered a Brayu. Uh, I remember him as a very good on base guy and a good outfielder, but otherwise just a good to very good player. Didn't have a ton of power terms of his home run total didn't have that impact in terms of MVP finishes so he wasn't really on my radar Helton I I did consider some but I I look at a guy who's a first baseman which is traditionally you know a, a position of production and power and all that even playing in Colorado for his entire career he had 353 home runs I think um, which is nothing to sneeze at, but, you know, really pales in comparison to some other elite sluggers. And I also looked after when he turned 31, he played another, uh, I think, nine years in those last nine years. He hit as many as 20 home runs once in his 30s and had only three seasons with more than 80 RBI. So there was a big drop-off after he turned 30, and I didn't think, even though he had five or six great years in his 20s in Colorado, considering the course field effect, considering how mediocre the second half of his career was, uh, I, I just couldn't give him the vote there. Again, Helton in year six. Abreu in year five. Helton at this point tracking at 83. Looks like he, if not this year, will eventually get in. Abreu, uh, unless, you know, a lot of people listen to Chris Smith's impassioned plea and get on board, uh, probably will fall It wasn't short. as impassioned as uh, is, is, is Sean's uh, Jones. Andrew so. Jones, no. Nothing comes close to that. <laughs> I am um, always going to vote for Jones for now on. I mean, the, the Ozzy Smith thing alone, that was that, that makes total sense. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, like, you know, so there you go. Uh, Glad those I are, convert. Those are Chris Smith's 10. Uh, as I said, the six overlaps to recap Beltre, Maurer, Wagner, Sheffield, Jones, and Beltran. And then the four add ons for Chris Deshaun didn't have A Rod and Manny, Todd Helton, and Bobby Abreu. We'll end here. Is there anybody in this group, uh, Chris, especially in your case, having 10 that would have been your 11th if you were allowed? And just for the both of you, starting, we'll start with Sean here because we just started with Chris for a bit. Um, is there anybody that we didn't touch on that has, you know, in your mind, any 
is it worthwhile to look into uh, tracking at this point? Chase Utley is at 45%. There's nobody else tracking who we didn't touch on um, over 15% at that yeah, point. I, 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 I at, think Utley is, is kind of the third newcomer yeah. um, after Beltre and Maurer that's getting some support. Again, uh, a great first half of his career that thanks to injuries and other factors, he really dropped off after the 30s. A really good player, by all accounts, a terrific teammate. Uh, just doesn't rise to the level of Hall of Famer for me. Yeah, it's actually interesting. So um, I was going to say, like, I would have just voted for the 10, but, you know, I'm going to look into Utley next year more, um, you know, especially with, you know, guys like Beltray will not be on the, you know, certain guys won't be on the ballot. And so Sheffield. I will put these. Yeah. So I'll put these guys into consideration now. Outley, you know, even a Jimmy Rollins, but I am the thing about Outley, you know, I've seen people that had a Brayu on their ballot last year that actually that had 10 on their ballot last year and they switched Utley out with him this year. And so I'm going to, you know, I'll probably ask more people about Utley and their opinions. But right now, I felt like, you know, that 10th vote, um, Abreu was was more deserving. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy is a, you know, four, four time Silver Slugger Award winner, you know, five time All Star. I mean, yeah, he was great at getting hit by pitches, too. <laughs> and in oh. cleats, unfortunately for him, uh, 45% tracking at this point so probably not a candidate this year but one of those guys you'll watch in years to come uh he's probably a guy that i will have to deal with in 2028 uh, maybe when i start voting um other guys on the ballot are you know sniffing over that five percent according to the tracker that we're not going to get into chris just touched on one jimmy rollins at 14 percent andy pettit also at 14 percent omar Vizquel 12 mark burley eight K-Rod at seven, David Wright, who I think is an interesting one for uh, another discussion at six. And then to round it out, the guys under five, Torrey Hunter, Matt Holliday, Bartolo Colon, and Jose Bautista each have gotten at least one registered vote. And then there's the five who have not gotten a vote yet and probably won't. And there's uh, three former Red Sox on that list, Adrian Gonzalez, Victor Martinez, and the 2018 hero, Brandon Phillips, to go along with Jose Reyes and James Shields. So as I said, if you want to read this in print form, Chris Smith's story was up a week ago. Sean's is up today. I know it's a long podcast. People get passionate about this. If you have your thoughts, don't send them on Twitter. Don't send them over email. Send them via, drumroll please, our insider text program. Yes, indeed. And to join that insider text program, to be able to weigh in on this topic and anything else you'd like to when it comes to the Red Sox and baseball, simply text the word JOIN to 617-751-6257 then click the link to subscribe you get a 14-day trial period 4.99 a month after that uh, we are continuing to grow our community we enjoy the give and take and we think you will too that is the Fenway Rundown for this week and I say that with every hope that we don't have to do two Saturday emergency episodes again Sean we'll be back next week with much more This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.